Hey, Kyle and I just wrapped up a great interview with Joe from Outbrain. He's covered all kinds of good stuff with us, like what types of CPAs you need to get good traffic going, what kind of dollars per day you need to be throwing at native to get off the ground, what kind of creatives, all kinds of good stuff. I took a whole page of notes here. Before we dive into your beautiful ear holes, just a heads up, the Zoom recording we're using, audio didn't come through as great as we wanted. We're gonna figure that out for the next ones we've got coming up. Um, but the content is great. Wanna make sure you guys gotta listen to it. So let's check it out and thanks for listening. Welcome everyone. Today we are going to be interviewing the amazing Joe Adana, who you could see on our little Zoom screen. Wave for us, Joe, for the YouTube crowd. There we go. Awesome. So Joe, um, we're going to be talking about one, a really, not a new network, um, uh, not a new traffic source. Sorry, guys. I'm like stumbling all over this morning. So apparently I didn't get coffee. So that's why we're going through some of the jumbles here. But um, but uh, not a new traffic source, but one that we've really been seeing emerging on ClickBank recently. That's like surging. It's surging. It's been there, right? Yeah, it's been yeah. surging in a big way this last year. Yeah, yeah. surging is a great way to put it. Uh, and that's native ads. So um, Joe is an expert as he works um, is uh, I think it's a VP of partnerships. I can't remember exact titles, but I know it involves partnerships and it sounds fancy. Um, over at Taboo and Outbrain, which is the largest native ads network. So super excited to have him share some amazing nuggets today, some awesome information and ask some questions. So Thomas and I could really understand a lot more uh, about native ads and what it takes to be successful there. Not only as a vendor, but definitely as affiliate, which we'll be spending a lot of time talking about today. How are you doing, Joe? Good man. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, sales director, uh, VP of partnerships, maybe in a year or two. Okay. You got a promotion. Doing the right yeah. thing with, with yeah. all these affiliate guys. And um, yeah, Tabula and Outbrain definitely, you know, we hold the most market share between the two of us. We were going to merge last year. Didn't happen. I'm with uh, Outbrain. So two separate companies moving forward, which is I think better for the market, better for marketers and also publishers too on the flip side of the business. So, so they can make the most money possible. So it's a good thing. Well, perfect. Well, thanks for clearing up that I thought you guys were still merging. <laughs> so I was like, I, I didn't apologize. know they're the same company. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. So that's on me. So really can't talk. And now I have bad information. Really, <laughs> really start start this interview. Yeah. So, uh, well, before we get going, Joe, and definitely have some questions, I'm really excited. Um, and, and to get going here, but I just want everyone to know that I know this is an audio medium. They might not be watching the recording. Joe has a fantastic mustache and every single moment that should be <laughs> called out and known that that he's really rocking a beautiful mustache. And so make sure to watch the YouTube video for that alone if you normally just listen to us on an audio medium. So uh, to get things going, though, what, what I'd really like to do um, is just describe a little bit about what native is. I mean, it, we hear it. We see it a lot. A lot of people are aware of his existence, but I think there's a lot of people that aren't even 100% sure about what it is. What is a native ad? What is a native ad network? And Joe, I bet you can say it more eloquently than, than Tom Sorry, I can. So um, why don't you answer that question for us? <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes I hop on calls and I'm like, are you swear you're not in sales for, for Outbrain or do you want a job to sell <laughs> native? Because I will give you one. Um, so native is its own unique bucket. We like to say it's the third tier of marketer's tool belt from search social and then native a lot of people categorize native as a display medium too which is true um, because we're all across publishers that's where the, our inventory solely lies websites like cnn washington post timing properties things like that but when we say native it's because we match the look and feel of the website we're appearing on with the 
text and the font to make sure it matches what the article has and also the imagery. So it sizes up nicely with organic articles right alongside paid ads as well. And I, I think the main thing when, they th when people think about publisher ads, they think Google display units, which are all the IAB cubes and banner ads that are following us around for the shoes that we just bought last week. But that's more of a kind of like a push medium is what we call it. And native is more of a pull one. So we want to entice people in with real high quality headlines and imagery um, because the ads are for people that have a story to tell, but it's all on publishers, larger reach than Facebook within the US, uh, at least at Outbrain and a lot of the other big native ad networks out there as well. So that's why kind of what you said, it's probably a surging traffic source on ClickBank just because the scale is there and, and the publisher quality is there. That's not necessarily the ads that everybody hates that we have banner blindness to. Yeah, yeah. I love that you mentioned kind of the difference of push versus pull. Um, Cause I think that's such a big distinction that display ads, you know, it's, it's so much more invasive um, to the user experience and the buyer experience because of which I think you, you imagine probably your CPMs end up being lower because your cost per click is, is tiny because you need so many clicks yeah. on display. Uh, but that's not the case with native. You could obviously, it's obviously a little bit better in performance because, you know, it doesn't feel invasive. You're getting people consuming content that's hopefully around whatever you're selling. And then they, they feel like they're consuming more content that, oh, by the way, it actually happens to lead to a CTA. Yeah, I, I always get like when I teach traffic sources, like new hires here at ClickBank and stuff, it's always like, OK, here's Facebook, here's Google, here's native. Can I like talking from an overview? The confusing part to me, right, is that technically, in my opinion, if you're scrolling through Facebook and see an ad on Facebook or searching on Google and see, you know, PPC ads, those to me are native ads, right? Like they look and match the feel of Facebook or Google, wherever you are. Are they just not native in the sense that there's such a large traffic source in and of themselves that they get classified as their own thing? And like, well, then what's like the distinction with native specifically when we're talking this context, you just have access to third party sites and that you're able to push ads across multiple channels that way. Yeah, I think on the, on the Facebook side of things, you know, they have the little box you can check native um, and technically all of their ads are within the feed. So it is a native format, right? I think the whole Outbrain, Kabula's, Yahoo Gemini's, Verizon Media's of the world were more of a, like I like to say content discovery more so than just native advertising, but everyone kind of categorizes native advertising as, you know, those big three of us, but it's more content discovery-esque because you're on content people are discovering more content and i think in our world of just like digital advertising and marketing there's so many buzzwords and keywords and everything that everybody has native ads right even even google now has their own inventory that is like more native and not gdn specific and like ppc type stuff so it's kind of the, i think it's just a word the... but i think we probably fall more in that content discovery bucket than anything that makes sense so it's kind of like the user behavior almost of the audience that's engaging with say msn.com or cnn or something and they're seeing what looks like another article they're going to click on and read but it's being served by outbrain or tabula or gemini like you're saying right yeah and you know over the years there's always been that distinction of well, how do we categorize ourselves and how do we make it very apparent that it is an advertisement right um and you'll notice the outbrain units and Tabula and, and Yahoo, it says paid promoted mm -hmm. post sponsored stories. So we really try and make it clear that to the user, this is an external facing ad 
so that when they click on it, they're not surprised that it goes through the redirect and lands on something else. Um, but you are right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So just a couple of things that kind of build off that because you're right in terms of the standard description of native that, that Facebook could have obviously still native ads that are embedded. Um, but I, this actually circles back to one of the points that you mentioned that I'd love for you to expand on a little bit more. You have larger reach, just outbrain specifically has more reach than Facebook does in the domestic United States. So tell me a little bit about like, that sounds awesome. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Like what is the difference? Why do you have a bigger reach than Facebook? Who I think sometimes in the marketing world, our marketing world feels like the behemoth and the gold standard for people um, when it comes to media buying. Yeah, they're definitely the behemoth and gold standard when it comes to media buying. Although every week I have conversations about how frustrating it is to work with them, but nonetheless, their ads perform really, really well and people make a lot of money buying on Facebook. Um, but I think from the outbrain side of things, um, can you just repeat the question? I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So uh, the oh, big the reach, the reach. Yeah, the sorry. reach specifically. Yeah. So just define how you're able to have a, a larger reach than Facebook who feels yeah, sorry, like, man. you know, the I'm biggest like guy the, in the room. All yeah. in the pitch mode over no here. No worries. Um, yeah, so Facebook is, is known as the largest guy in the room just because they, they really do monetize the most ad spend out there. But when you think about how Outbrain operates and how Taboola and how uh, Verizon Media operate, we're all on publishers. And the things that we all do as people in this digital world are we all consume content online, right? Especially in this crazy news cycle with, you think about the election, you think about unfortunate social events, you think about the Grammys, right? Like all of this content that people are posting that are trying to you know, monetize as a publisher, that's where our ads appear. So as we continue to be this like multi-screen human and we're watching the football game on the TV, but really I'm on my computer and I'm looking up what's going on with the election. That's when Outbrain kind of comes in. And because all those people are going to CNN, Washington Post, Wired, all those sites, that's where the big reach factor comes in. Because the majority of people we can get in touch with based on the diverse publisher portfolio that we have access to. And that's really the main thing that, that drives most of that reach. That's awesome. And it's kind of the idea that you know, you're always gonna, you're always tied to content creators um, and, and the biggest content creators. I don't think content's going away anytime well, soon. I was History ask, would suggest is, that, so that that makes a lot of sense for that reach. Is part of the surge we might be seeing on our end partially due to like, let's say, newspapers dying and like kind of like needing a different way to monetize? Like, are you seeing more people opening up native across their platform? Maybe like, let's say, Washington Post or something. Are they getting friendlier with native advertisements? across the board just to help monetize their site better? Yeah, and that's actually how Outbrain started. You know, we were the founders of native advertising going on 15 years ago. And the, the main goal from our CEO, your own, was to help publishers make more money. Like that was the end of the end of the story, right? We didn't have the the advertising conversation, which is my side of the business, until a couple years after that, because we realized, okay. On the publisher side, we can work as kind of like a SaaS product, right? And shift around their organic articles on their homepage or organic articles on specific publisher sections to make it a good user experience for us. And that's why publishers really liked us. But when we started to introduce the ads, then they started to see really great RPMs coming from us as an ad network. And obviously, as newspapers continue to die and people start to go more online and people start to install ad block more and more native advertising and outbrain became a really good tool for publishers bottom line so that they could 
make money and that they could keep their doors open. That makes a ton of sense. So you like in a 30,000 foot view, almost the middleman between someone wanting to push an ad onto a native, like I keep saying native place, right? But like a print medium or a online print medium and then the actual publisher. So you're kind of serving as that go between. So they're not having to source all these, you know, one-to-one -one banner ads and things like that. Yeah. I always say, I describe to people like we're almost like the billboard company for digital advertising, right? Nice. Like if yeah. you want to rent a billboard on CNN, come to us, we know exactly where to put it. We know how to optimize it for performance or for brand lift. And we're the person with that relationship. And the unique situation that we sit in is Outbrain's code is directly on the publisher's page. Whereas a lot of other ad networks, you know, buy their inventory through a third party and they're bidding into Outbrain inventory through some programmatic exchange. But really when you're working with an Outbrain, it goes from you to Outbrain to the publisher. And that's what allows our data to be super smart and how we optimize and find the correct people. And, and is that why ad blockers aren't impacting your ads essentially? Essentially, yeah. yeah. I think just being on the publisher page is a really mm -hmm. big one. Um, the relationships that we have with the publishers. And also it's the whole ad block situation really isn't for the, the pool marketing, right? It's more for the things that are in your face and the pop-ups. If, if we can craft and curate a good look and feel and people like it, then all the power to us and, and to them to, to find the products and the stories they want. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, appreciate that, Joe. And just to kind of circle back, because we mentioned this earlier, you know, Thomas and I have really noticed for the last year and definitely um, even the early part of this year that we're seeing um, native ads continue to surge, which probably is indicative of a lot of what you said in terms of content and online content is surging as well um, at the largest levels and smaller levels. So you have a lot more eyes. Um, but one of the things we really notice is a lot more stability. Um, you know, our Facebook media buying. Um, from affiliates tends to look a little bit more like a roller coaster where what we see from our native ads is something that it's it's pretty consistent spend and revenue and um, performance numbers on a daily basis. Is there anything you could speak to why you might think that is? I mean, I know that's kind of a big question with a lot of details, um, but if you feel like you could kind of talk in terms of maybe the stability difference that native could offer versus Facebook and, and maybe why, if you have any answers to that. And if it's like, Kyle, why would you ask such a complex question <laughs> um, that, that I might have answered? That's fine too. Imagine. I said, yeah, no comment. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, there, there's good things and there's bad things from being a smaller company. And we're not a smaller company, you know, we're like 800 people. Deep. So we're, we're a decent sized company, offices international in like 15 different countries. So we're pretty a deep company. But compared to somebody like Facebook, who has thousands and thousands and thousands of people working for their company, it's extremely hard to get in touch with a person over there and to understand maybe why your Facebook account was shut off and you can't run ads anymore. Or if something was not approved by their compliance team, how are people, how are you getting that feedback from Facebook? And that's kind of the things that, that I hear on a weekly basis is it's so frustrating to get in touch with someone. It's so frustrating to understand what's going on and their algorithm is such a big black box and they don't really give you a ton of info unless you're super, super power user. And even those users that are spending millions sometimes don't even have a rep. For us, it works a little bit differently, you know, especially all the accounts and the affiliates and the offerings that I particularly work with. We're in constant communication on, on Skype pretty much on a daily basis. If something gets rejected from our compliance team, you know, that info is getting passed from, from our compliance team to me directly to the advertiser. And I say exactly what needs to be changed when 
that compliance issue has changed. I relay it to our compliance team again, and things get approved. So it's a little bit more seamless of a process just from getting ads running and, and talking to people. From the issues of you know stability in the network and everything like that, I think it's just we're very clear in, in how our ads win and how you can find success on the channel. And I think we're a little bit less complicated than some of those big ad networks, which, you know, Google and Facebook. And I think it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing because people want more targeting and they want some different unique opportunities, but it also serves as a little bit more of a, uh, you know, streamlined approach to understand what's going on and how it's all working. We don't really change things too often. And if yeah. we do, you know, we update you. Yeah. And then, you, and then you can talk to somebody when you get there. So I, I think that's definitely a big one. And I appreciate sharing that is that having that communication and that center to go to when things go awry, you're right, probably allows for a lot more stability along with not a ton of changes happening that no one communicates to you and you just have to kind of deal with and hope that's the problem figured out. It's like, like, well, how much scrutiny too is Facebook or Google under mm -hmm. on a you know government level even, right? Down to like a you know watchdog level. So it's like <laughs> how quickly they have to change policy sometimes and just nix certain types of ads or different things that are niches even, right? Mm -hmm. Like I imagine that you guys can operate in a way that isn't as sharp right you can actually kind of smooth it out a bit for your um, advertisers and affiliates kind of running on the platform yeah especially compared to somebody like facebook we're right. definitely better in that area yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i'm mean, at most of controversies are more content creators not you know outbrain specifically right it's exactly the, the, yeah. um, you know the content creators on there so that that actually transitions really nice so i want to talk about next which and you alluded to is we know how to make ads get good returns. So we're, we're going to discuss that and we we're going to discuss that in depth. You do we talk about, can, can I me? don't no. know, <laughs> but Joe knows <laughs> and he's going to tell us. So I give me at least maybe 30 minutes, Thomas and I will. Okay, thanks, fill me in later. <laughs> um, but before we jump into that, one thing I, I want to do is, um, I, there a lot of people listening to the podcast are also offer owners. They're like, well, you know, do I need to know about this? We're going to talk about affiliates and running traffic. First, I'd say it's a, it's a great opportunity for you to run your own traffic or if you're not interested to understand what makes a successful campaign for an affiliate and what they're doing um, on native ads is gonna be a huge asset for you just to know what they need, what they might be asking you and to understand if your offer is working on the platform. So really, really listen, this is key information, even if you yourself are not buying the ads. That being said, um, Joe, on our pre-production call, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this and you brought up a great nugget that I'd love for you to share. Offer owners, there is a general kind of CPA level that you need to be at for things to be working on native and in Joe's experience. So why don't you share with us what that number is, Joe, and just talk a little bit about why um, that, that tends to be the floor that people need to be at on a CPA level. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good thing to dive into because all the conversations that I have you know, I personally, you know, my way of doing business is being super upfront and honest of if something is going to work or if it's not going to work. And the thing that that we always kind of and I always fall back to is the different verticals like tech gadgets, health supplements, lead gen type campaigns. All of these things have different, you know, allowable CPAs from an offer owner standpoint, but they also have metrics that that we can you know hit practically and that I can be confident hitting. So. We'll start from the bottom up. I think from a from a lead gen perspective, everyone sees auto insurance being super, super big on, on native, not just outbrain, but all channels specifically. I know that if if 
you can't stomach a 10 to $20 CPL from, from our channel, then it's probably not, it's probably not going to work for you. And some auto insurance offer owners and affiliates, you need to be like the $7 range. And we start to say like, you know, the juice might not be worth the squeeze for this particular mm. um, offer for you guys. And is that sorry. on the gadget? I was gonna yeah, say, go is, that, is that baked into just competitiveness of that niche, right? Where it's like other people are bidding on those at such a high rate that you're going to be driving up those costs. Yeah, I think it comes down to to a couple different things. Like from the from the offer owner perspective, those are who that's the people that do really, really well, especially in auto insurance, because they monetize based on that lead, not just on their own calling, they're selling it to other people, right? Like they have a lot of different ways to make that outbring turn over money. But if you're an affiliate who's just say, okay, I'm working on behalf of progressive and I really need it to be super, super efficient, well, if that's the only one metric that you're looking at, it's going to be really hard for us to hit that, especially because all those bigger companies like the Everquotes and, you know, the progressives of the world are driving up the competitiveness in that area because they can afford to pay a CPC that's 50% more than, than an affiliate, right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I'm sorry, go, go ahead on your next, I think you're going to go to another example for a different type of offer. Yeah, gadgets. Gadgets. Yeah, yeah. so like gadgets, you guys know that people listen to this, DFO, Giddy Up. The big gadgets, um, gadget-related companies work work with those guys as well. Very friendly with them. So, what's up if you guys are listening to this? <laughs> but if our gadget CPA is less than forty dollars, forty-five dollars, it's probably not going to work on native. It's going to be very difficult to get to that number of, let's just say, I need to drive an acquisition for this star telescope at thirty bucks. I'm going to say, you know, it's, it's it's probably not going to pan out for you. Um, and we can talk about the reasons after we kind of go through yep. all these offer numbers and stuff, but um, 45 bucks, that's a sweet spot. Anything above that for gadgets really, really well. I think something cool for offer owners like those DFOs and giddy ups of the world, they have the opportunity to, to create these listicles of all their products, right? Like hottest gadgets of 2021, which I assume is going to be one of the top ads come Q3 and Q4 with Black Friday and holiday, probably probably see it a lot um, and they can have all their products in one specific area rather than just driving to one specific product and that works really well and it allows us to hit that CPA a little bit more often than just trying to, to focus on that one product so 45 bucks health supplements um, I like to at least see $80 and above from a CPA standpoint if that's what we're allowed to hit then I'm confident that that we can hit that number but I'm also confident in the value of the offering user base to have an even higher cart value than they might think. So just like holistically, like we have these CPA numbers in place to kind of outline things and overqualify offers that are coming in. But one of the cool things about offering specifically is the quality of publishers that we appear on, you know, the CNNs, the Time Inks of the world, that allows us to, you know, get in front of a little bit higher quality of an audience than some of the other ad networks out there. And just recently, like this past three months, we had a health supplement offer launch in December, gather some data before the real heavy push of health offers come in January and February. And we had this goal in mind of a CPA of 90 bucks. And I said, all right, cool. I think we can do it. December, we didn't hit it. January, we got a lot closer to it. February, we were actually at a CPA of $190. And it sounds bad, right? But the average order value in February was actually $260. The average order value in January was $180. So even though we have this front end goal 
the thing that like I always like to look at and our account managers like to look at is, okay, well, what's the quality of that conversion coming in and not just that front end thing. Um, so I know that's a long one to answer to your question about numbers and things like that, but front end CPAs, that's what you guys should look out for. But average order value is super, super important, which everybody knows, but when people want to move fast and they want to get onboarded and you know, you want to get ads live as soon as possible, it kind of gets left behind sometimes, but taking that step and understanding it really helps. I, yeah. Oh. I just love how well this dovetails with the data we see over here. Like we, we crunch our numbers, right? Kind of see what offers take off, what they're paying affiliates and all that kind of thing. And you're almost backing out to a T <laughs> like where <laughs> we find that data spiking to for the top offers that get scale and stuff. Whether I was, gonna, I was curious, what's the front end product for these gadgets? If you're getting a CPA of 40 to 45 bucks, like what's kind of that front end price they're often selling if you have an idea on that? It's usually around the $50 mark, $55 mark. Okay, gotcha. Um, yep. And they have like their upsell funnels as well, yep. you know, and, and things like that. I love that, yeah. Well, and you said they're driving primarily to a suite of products to choose when they do like Black Friday style promos and something like that. So they could test with different images to get the clicks, um, you know, on the native ads or maybe what native ad they're, they're sending it to. So. Um, so what about for, do you have a CPA for like digital products? So one thing we had, we had a lot of physical, um, cause you had gadgets, we had, why did I already forget what the first Supplements. thing was? Oh, auto insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so obviously it's a huge industry for, for those that don't know. Um, yeah. So what about for just like info products? What, what do you tend to see from a CPA level for info products? Most of the time it's pretty low yeah. and I, it, the, I assume you're talking about just eBooks, online training courses. Yeah, like a thirty-seven dollar kind of like eBook that. or DVD funnel yeah, or something like yeah. that. Like, I mean, we 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 call it digital. It might be have some flat media on mm -hmm. it, right? But like a thirty-seven dollar yeah. information product, we'll call it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, to be honest with you, they're they're difficult to, to mm -hmm. try and find success on Outbrain. You know, I've been here over five years, and I haven't really seen digital info products work nearly as well as some of those things we just talked about, right? Um, I think because the CPA has to be so low for, for them, you know, it has to be like $25, $20 to actually get somebody to purchase something. And that becomes difficult and it becomes difficult for a number of reasons because we work with so many publishers and we have to almost like throw spaghetti at a wall and see where things are performing well. And the test budgets really aren't that big for, for these digital products as well, because they need to back into it quickly and they can't be spending. $500 a day with one or two conversions, you know? So it becomes difficult to try and get those to work. And I like to kind of stay away from them to be, to be quite honest with you, just like what, what's going to work, what's not going to work on native. I don't see that working that well. That's awesome. That's good feedback. Yeah. yeah. It's not awesome. Those don't work, but really, really great <laughs> answer. You're so well. Well, cause, uh, and I think you're alluding to this cause we talked about, okay, I'm going to explain why these CPA numbers need to be, you know, where they're at. And some people might feel like that feels high, you know, I'm not spending that to acquire a customer or, you know, I'm not sure that I can spend that much to acquire a customer, but you already started alluding to this. So I'd love for you to expand a little bit more. Tell us a little about why you need to have that higher CPA and why, you know, $190 could be a, a great campaign as a CPA on native, um, you know, and, and just in general, expand a little bit more about, um, why those numbers need to be at the 45 and, and, you know, $80 for the health supplements. I think the main thing that it always comes back to is the channel of native 
you have to really educate somebody to get them to understand and want to buy your product, right? And that's why we see all of these VSLs and we see all of these kind of long form text landers, right? We see these longer videos because it takes a little bit to convince somebody that's reading an article about, you know, the top five fashion trends on GQ for this year to get them to buy a health supplement that's going to help them, you know, lose 20 pounds or help the ears in their ears just stop ringing and stuff like that. Like it takes a little bit to convince somebody about that. Um, and along with just the convincing, you know, we work with over 15,000 publishers and one of the main, and I know we'll probably get into it, but one of the main things and the hangups of people testing native is saying, well, I don't want to be on 15,000 publishers. You know, I only want to be on the publishers that convert well. And if anybody was to log in tomorrow to outbrain.com and create an account by themselves without a rep, unfortunately, you're going to be across those 15,000 publishers. There's no way for you to go in there and default to specific publisher lists that are going to allow you to, to capitalize on that high quality inventory. So when you work with a rep or you work with somebody like myself, an account manager, we have some capabilities just to default us to a little bit more cream of the crop publisher list than what you would experience there. But even that is like 700 to 800 publishers, right? And when you have three headlines and three images and nine different ads circulating at like 350 to $500 a day during that test, it's really not that much money when you think about the amount of inventory that we appear on. So that's why like stomaching that higher CPA from the beginning is really, really important. And it's what, oh my, Weeding out sounds like a bad way, but it weeds out people that, that don't really have the stomach to test native as a channel and try and understand if it's going to work. Because in terms of minimum budgets and minimum testing budgets for these types of things, I always say $500 a day at a, at a bare minimum for an offer, right? Whether that's a gadget, lead gen, or health supplement, because we need enough conversion volume in the door to even get to that number. Because in the first two weeks, we're probably not going to get we're probably going to take a little while. We're going to block publishers. We're going to fold in new creative. So it just is a more difficult channel to, to find success. And it, it takes a little bit more time than just, you know, everybody knowing what they do on Facebook and they plug it in and they go and, and it works as difficult as it is sometimes. Native is just unique in that it, it takes a little bit more investment, time, energy, and money from the junk. Is that partly because, like you're saying, right, the it's a much broader audience spread, right? You're not targeting down to people who like pets, right, or people who have a chihuahua, right? You're just going much broader, so the clicks are maybe not as targeted. Is that a fair assumption on my part? Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fair assumption. We we have those targeting capabilities, mm -hmm. but a lot of times, performance marketers, affiliates, offer owners in this space aren't using them. They like us because the mass scale. We're entirely CPC. They back into the publishers and ads that are working yeah. well, right? If we well, start to narrow down the audience, it becomes too expensive for them most times. Yeah, that's what I see in Facebook media buyers too, right? They might start with a segment, but then they go super wide with an audience just because, they, yeah, they want the algorithm and the network to go wide and they'll let the creatives like qualify the clicks, right? And kind of get them the campaign qualify that. It's almost like yeah. uh, it's like native is advertising on the outside of the building and Facebook's advertising on the inside of the building, right? Like I'm paying for the to talk to the people inside the club and native <laughs> is the signs on the outside as I'm walking by into the club. So it takes a little bit more attention, maybe time for people to see that. 
verse when you're in there and you can be more direct and hands-on, um, which I do think also explains a lot in terms of the scale, why you need a lot of that scale because you don't have, you know, these are pull components and sometimes pull takes time. It takes multiple glances and things to, before I, I take action. Um, whereas I think Facebook, and especially you could do this at a smaller level pretty easily sometimes, if you get hyper-targeted, you just go talk to your people directly. It's a little bit easier. But because because of that, I think it allows you to keep your spend. I'm only spending five bucks a day on Facebook and you could still get some return um, for that individual where it sounds like native, that's never gonna work. You're just gonna be throwing that money away because you need such broader reach to even start to see some of the success. So um, that that's super helpful information. Um, and I think makes yeah, a so lot of sense when we kind of you know talk about this in terms of what who you are as an affiliate and what you need to do to, to really be successful, what kind of campaigns and offers you need to go after. Thomas, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna recap real quick just because it's I think there's some good nuggets in there. Mm -hmm. So you're talking CPAs or if we're talking commissions, right? It's the same verbiage, right? If you're in yeah, a commission let's actually, over let's pause real fast and just make sure everyone knows what we're talking about <laughs> with CPA. Um so when we're seeing CPA cost per acquisition, so the amount that the advertiser or offer owner is spending to acquire one customer one buyer um so that's that's all that is so um in simple terms but anyway yeah so if you're paying a commission over this amount to an affiliate right you should be in a good spot and they might be able to have success on native so more if you're you know over that with the monetization um so you're in the 40 to 55 dollar or more range or with gadgets on the front end to initial price points of that or maybe in the you know 50 dollar 25 dollar 50 dollar range right and then supplements you're saying over an 80 dollar cpa is a good place to be which, like I was kind of saying, is where we see things start to hit scale too across different channels, including email, right? So it kind of goes across a lot of different stuff. And then for testing, $500 a day. And then you said kind of like over a 14 day period, is that like a good window to see if it's decent there? So $500 a day times kind of 14 for like an initial testing investment. Yeah, it's like five, 5,000 to $7,000 yeah. pretty much over two weeks. Um, break it up into a couple different campaigns we always separate out campaigns one for desktop and tablet another for mobile just to have two different ways to go at it because your cpcs are going to be different by device the inventory is a little bit different by device so we like to understand what's working better and what's and what's not you know so that's a little lower than my understanding for for when you're going to gdn i've always heard 10 grand is what you need to invest in gdn just in testing before you get anything to- I'll well, assume like if you're talking so. 14 day period, right? You might not be completely in the black, right? Over 14 days with that, you might identify the winners and then be able to scale it from there kind of thing. So you might be talking, yeah, this gets yeah. us good data. Okay, here's how we optimize, move forward. I yeah. Assume. Yeah, you're probably not totally in the red for that <laughs> full five to seven, you know, whatever you're spending. But um, well, this is a really good launching point for us to talk more in depth about, okay, like I get it, I, I have offers that hit these CPA targets. I wanna start running ads, you know, on Outbrain. I wanna I wanna do this whole native thing. So um let's I'm gonna go through some scenarios, but let's start off with the brand new media buyer. So I have experience buying on Facebook, maybe I have experience buying on Google. I feel like I'm kinda hot shit. Um, but now I'm looking at it um, native because I see some of my friends are doing really well with it. They've been really stable. I'm sick of Mark Zuckerberg ruining my life and banning my accounts. So I come to you. What are some of the things that you tell somebody like that? What are the, the little nuggets of advice that you give them um, to, to make sure they're going to be successful 
Um, and you know, they're wearing an Outbrain shirt in um, 30 days from now and talking about how it's a great traffic source. I personally think the, the main um, hang up for a lot of people is being patient to, to get things to start working because there are few and far between campaigns and accounts that we turn on day one that are profitable by day two or three. Of course, it happens sometimes, and I love it just as much as the media buyer. But because of all those things we kind of spoke of, it, it takes some testing, it takes some learning, and it takes some understanding. The other thing is it's, it's not going to work. Like your Facebook tricks and your Facebook tools and your landers and your creative, some of them might carry over and work. But for the majority, you got to be thinking of native as a completely new channel for you. Um, and the least successful media buyers that come in are the ones that come in and think, they know what they're doing. They're pausing their ads, they're pausing campaigns, they're bidding down too much from the start, and they're not leaning on the expertise that, that we can provide them. You know, like that's what we're here for. I totally understand that we're a new channel and it's kind of like this total open ocean of who even knows how to work native the best way. But when you kind of give up a, a lot of that control from your own kind of standpoint and allow our team to kind of coach you into what we think is going to work best. Most of the time it performs a lot better than if someone just comes in and like is gung ho about it. And I know because I've been here for a while that there are so many smart media buyers and most of them are buying media for some of these bigger affiliates and they're the off runners. Like that's why all of you guys listening to this are in that position because you know how to make a ton of money acquiring customers online. But if you've never used native, you kind of need to give up a little bit of that control and lean on us to help coach you into that best performing kind of campaign because that's that's just the way to do it you know yeah well and what a resource how many how many networks say hey we know we're different let us help you and tell you how to make it work i think that's pretty cool and, and awesome um but let's let's delve into that a little bit more so some of the specific things you kind of mentioned it where people come in and they, the mistakes that they make let's talk about the things that, that you want people to do and affiliates to do they'll make them more successful right off the get-go outside patients and you know, checking their pride at the doors. What are some of the specific tactics that they need to do when they're buying their ads? I think one of the main things is, is and as crazy as it sounds, it's pixel installation. And uh, <laughs> a lot of a, a lot of people will just like have their tracking link and they run with it and they don't install our pixel, so we don't have any visibility into into what's going on, right? And um, that that's fine for them, but it's, it's not good for us because then our system can't get smart and it can't you know, understand what's working. Just for instance, when we launch a campaign, we like to have two or three different conversion points that are tracking for that campaign. Maybe it's a add to cart, it's a purchase, and maybe it's a, you know, like a request for more information. They just enter in their email address to sign up for the newsletter, right? All three of those things help our system become smarter. And, and what the Outbrain algorithm does is it's gonna automatically increase and decrease your bids on specific publisher sections that are converting at a high rate and not converting. So it kind of rounds into a campaign with better performance. Now, kind of what I talk about when people start pausing ads and they don't allow the algorithm to kind of take hold and run with it, that's when we start to see it get all confused and we start to see it jumble and we start to see it not perform as well. So pixel installation has to happen as difficult as it is sometimes. Um, that's, that's numero uno. Um, the, the other things that we like to see are a variety of headlines and images that we can fold in and rotate, right? For that $500 a day minimum budget that we kind of talk about, I would only work with maybe four to six total pieces of creative within those campaigns to start. 
because that's going to allow some equal A-B testing to understand what's going on, what headline option and ad is working well. The more you put in there, the more confused the system gets. You can't upload 40 different assets into that campaign because they're going to get such minimum spend volume. And then you think about the 40 ads across 800 publishers, across 20 different you know, places on that publisher that we can put you. It just becomes way too much for the system. So a lot of people come in, want to test a lot of stuff. Um, but it's really good if you have your top four to six, and we can pause and we can fold in new things over the course of the time period. Um, that's really important too. And I think uh, as much as I would love to A-B test a ton of different creative from the jump, the system's not really great at doing that. So that's that's one of the things that's really helpful. Awesome. Well, I just want to pause real fast. So two things in there that you said that are really, really powerful um, is a lot of it isn't just trusting you guys, it's trusting the algorithm, which... I know oftentimes a lot of Facebook media buyers seem to want to fight that or, or have a lot of strategies outside that. You mentioned the media buyers are really smart, so they find a lot of ways outside that. But you're saying starting off, it's it, it probably just because it's so broad with as many publishers as you have, it's super critical to feed the algorithm. Um, so I, just just a big note right here that that seems to be that's what I'm getting from this is like feed that algorithm, but not too much because if you have too many campaigns, they'll get confused. You need to be targeted and specific as you feed the algorithm and it's going to pay off dividends on your campaigns. Is that about right for kind of the big thing when people are starting out? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what allows us to understand what's going to work well and what's not. Because once you once you give the algo some data, then it's like, okay, we're full bore into understanding on a manual optimization level with the algorithm. What can I do? How, what publishers can I block? How can I bid down on certain ad copy? How can I bid up on certain publishers? And those are when like the media buyer expertise really comes in. Because once our system has something, and then once we can start to do things from a manual standpoint, then it's kind of off to the races. But it takes that little bit of time to do it. And that account that I talked about earlier that started in December when it was super competitive, spent you know 10K in December, they spent $300,000 in February because they, they waited, they took that time, they lost money in December, which I know nobody likes to do, but it was all for a purpose of getting ready for that that Q1 throttle up where we could leverage the media buyer's expertise, leverage our expertise and leverage network timing really, really well. And that only happened because we, we fed the algo, the data that it needed from the jump. That's awesome. Okay. Thomas, any, any comments or questions about that? I was just gonna ask like, do you have any recommended learning places if people are wanting to like, Hey, how do I see what, I mean, obviously you just go click around CNN and stuff and see what people are running, but like, do you have any courses or anything that you'd like to recommend? Maybe it's one that you, Outbrain has, I don't know if you guys have one, or maybe it's the one industry leader in the space for it's like a learn native or like what creatives kind of work, like how to craft them, that might be different. Yeah, so us at Outbrain, um, just like on a personal company standpoint, we just created a whole native, uh, certification it's kind of like operating oh, academy where you can log in and do it completely digitally it you know the things that are in there are geared more towards outbrain as a channel specifically but it talks about native as a whole and it's really good to just understand the ecosystem and all that stuff is really in there i think it only takes like an hour or two to complete that i had one of my partners um say he just did it the other week and found it super super helpful so if you guys are interested in learning more without a rep i would say do that um the other ways to kind of understand what's working well and what's not, Adplexity, really great website to start to understand what ads are performing on what networks. You can toggle Outbrain, Kabula, Verizon, Rev Content. You can see 
what people are spending and what geos and all that kind of stuff. Like a spy so tool. They're all those spy tools. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, great education source. And even like I said, even if it might be Outbrain specific, it doesn't matter because it's still giving you tons of great data for, for outside of Outbrain. Plus, if you get a great rep, why would you not just work with Outbrain? That's what awesome. does it take to get a rep? Yeah, that's a great question. How much does it take to get a rep? Or guess maybe how much or what does it take? I don't yeah. know if it's a monetary thing or if it's a, yeah. Do we just need to punt yeah, in your house or, you know, <laughs> what's your personal address? <laughs> I'm in San Diego. Come find me. No, um, <laughs> so there is that minimum threshold to get a rep of the $500 a day mark. Oh, okay. And that's because of all that data that we need. And people think it's just like this arbitrary number where it's like, oh, Alfred wants to make this much money. And yeah, I'm sure like behind some of it, it's like, okay, yeah. But we want to understand that people are committed to understanding how the network works. And, and we want to invest our resources in the people that, that are like that, you know? Because even if you're not doing the 15K, 30K a day in the first month or two, we want to we help because it is a new channel for a lot of people. And transparently, if we can catch a lightning in a bottle, two out of 10 of those people, and we find an offer that's really working well, then it's totally worth it for us to invest our top resources into people like that. Um, so $500 a day is really our, our minimum to, to work with a rep one-on-one. And... Most of the time, it's you know you get what you want. Makes sense. Of it. Yeah. Is it, is it like a purchase order or something where it's like, hey, it's going to be like seven grand for this trial period or maybe this set time? It's, you know, it's wired new money kind of thing that we're off and running. Like, or is it just like a per day basis and like here's the ad spend and let's go? Yeah. So there's no prepay anything. There's yeah. no IO. You guys, people even need to sign. It's really just we sign up for the account, the credit card information entered, and to be honest with you, like you can pause whenever you want. You know, it's not like you're held liable to. To spend that amount and we're going to hunt you down to try and get you to spend that if it's if it's really not going to work and it's not your jam then no hard feelings and stinks but um just work because we're all cpc so you pay for the traffic you generate right oh, okay you pay yeah. for the clicks if you if you pause the campaign then you pause the campaign and it's it is what it is yeah so real, real fast i want to circle back on a couple of things uh well two more questions that want to be respectful of your time so um first i just i wonder if they're because you kind of mentioned this, like once you feed the algorithm for an affiliate, um, then you could kind of cut and, and start doing some of that that manual. I'm a media buyer. This is me being the smart person that I am to maximize my ROI. What are some other tips and tricks or maybe just even just one big thing that you like to educate people once they're at that phase? They've fed the algorithm. They're, they're seeing they're like, OK, we're good. What are some things that, that you advise them to, I guess, start optimizing their campaigns when they, once they've pumped a little bit of spend in there. One of the main things that, that I always like to do, uh, it kind of goes along with what we already talked about, but just testing, 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 testing. These accounts that operate in the most successful accounts, they start off in this testing phase and they find the, the two campaigns or the one campaign that's completely crushing it. And from there, we, we leave those campaigns alone, right? Like we increase the budgets, we do little things here and there, but for the most part, it kind of just does what it does and we, we let it run and, and we keep it going. But the bigger accounts and the most successful ones are testing 15, 20 different campaigns at any given time. Little changes in headline copy, little changes in image copy, little changes in, in targeting, right? Specific geos that they want to hit. Um, 
most of the time when we try and test, people think, oh, I'm just going to fold some new ads into this already performing campaign and it's going to allow the A-B test in there. And that's not really how it works, right? Like if you have the campaign that's working really well, you don't really touch it. You want to test all new creative and all new target new campaigns. So that's one of the things that, that I try and get people to understand because if you're profitable with those one or two campaigns, then okay, we have a little bit of budget to go into the negative to test what's going to work next. Because we do have people that have been running the same stuff for a couple months at a time, but it's rare. And always elevating and updating your copy is something that's going to keep you successful for for a year, you know, and, and keep that long term success going. Awesome. No, that's great advice. Yeah, testing seems to be the biggest difference with any marketing channel, honestly. <laughs> like the more you test with success, um, the more success that you'll have. The last thing, um, and you kind of mentioned this about spending minimums to get a rep, but I, I want to give you a chance to plug a feature that you've told me that I think just is mind blowing that also involves some minimum spends. And that's where if people wanted Outbrain to run their media campaigns, there's some, my understanding, I could of course have all this wrong from memory, but um, <laughs> is that you guys will actually work with them for a surprising amount of no agency fees um, to run their campaign. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and tell the people, and this is where offerers should really pick up their ears and go, wow, that sounds like an amazing offer. Um, but yeah, tell them a little bit about what that could be and how they can work with you guys directly. Yeah. So thanks. Um, we offer a fully managed service, you know, like where, where our account management team buys the media for you. Um, and as the offer owner, sometimes it's hard to find the right affiliate or sometimes you want to understand how native is working, but you don't really have the media buying expertise. You have the product knowledge and you understand what works from that standpoint. So $30,000 a month or above an outbrain account manager and myself will run the show for you. Um, obviously we still have the two calls a week. We have Skype channel, the Slack channel, whatever you would need to, to be filled in and feel confident about what's going on. But it, it's a really great way to take a little bit of the legwork off of an offer owner's end and have a direct relationship with a network because the, the things that I hear sometimes are like, yeah, you know, I, I love affiliates just as much as anybody, like as a personal standpoint, because I think they're scrappy. I think they're smart. But from an offer owner perspective, you have to pay those people out every time they drive a conversion for you. So if you can just do it yourself, but use Outbrain as the media buying resource, we don't take any, you know, spend management fees. Everything that you have goes directly to the campaign. So it's kind of like a, you know, you just fund, fund the account and, and we'll try and make it work for you. So roughly 1K a day. So are you handling the creatives and all that kind of stuff too? We test the creative. We get supplied the creative from gotcha. that offer yeah. owner, right? So um, we have a, a great resource in our internal copywriting team that knows what works and what doesn't from a headline standpoint. And we do have like the shutter plot accounts and things like that that we can pull from. So if necessary, we can certainly supply creative. Um, we also like to lean a little bit on just what's working well and what, what they think might perform well from their own standpoint too. But makes sense. Yeah. either way you slice it, yeah, you can do it. That's pretty cool. So at roughly 1K a day, you're going to get it managed for you. That's sweet. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Now, obviously, yeah. you still have to work to make sure that's successful or else you're just spending a $1,000 nope, for no reason, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I just remember I heard, I thought, man, as someone that's worked with agencies before, that can be a really frustrating experience, oftentimes because the incentive doesn't feel to be equal and equitable. But in this type of situation, there is no agency fee. It is actually because they want you yeah. to continue to spend 
and you're only going to spend if you're continuing to be profitable. So I think it's just a fantastic setup for the right partner, right? Someone that, that wants to do that. They'd like having some sort of house traffic um, that, that they want to put their spend behind. But I thought just a fantastic offer and overall fantastic interview. Really appreciate your time, Joe. Um, I, I know I learned a lot about Native. I don't know yeah. about you, Thomas. I, it's pretty fantastic. Um, and continue to see this this really fantastic traffic source. Well, you know, 15 years doesn't sound new to me. Um, it is new in the grand scheme of things um, and surging on our platform. So if you aren't using Native, get started and start by looking at Outbrain because it's not only a network that has some of the best um, publishers out there, but it's one that has some of the best intentions for their affiliates and their users to be successful, as you could hear from what Joe shared with us today. He's not talking about Outbrain success. He's talking about native ad success. That's the kind of people that you want to work with and we want to talk with. Um, so I think that's really fantastic. We've got a chance to do that today. So Thomas, I don't know if you have any parting questions or words for Joe, and then Joe will give you an opportunity to um, tell the people how they could reach, reach you and connect with you or any other final thoughts you might have. No, that was just, I want to make sure that we gave Joe a chance to tell people where to find him and or Outbrain and kind of where you should direct people based on what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, th and, and thanks for having me. I mean, it's been awesome talking with, with Kyle for probably a couple months now, huh? yeah. just about different things. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to come on this a lot because I've worked with a lot of different companies at Outbrain. I've been here for a while, worked with anybody as big as Netflix and Activision to the single media buyer that's doing $7 million a month, right? And I really prefer working with the media buyer and scrappy person that is able to test and able to optimize. So that's my jam. That's my jam moving forward for next year. It's in the last six months. I help affiliates and offerings really scale and use native as a, as a channel, right? So if you're interested, if you wanna learn more, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, my email, J-A-D-D-O-N-A at outbrain.com. I'm also on Skype. I don't really have the ID in front of me, but if you just search my name, I'm sure you'll find that there's not many Joseph Adonis out there. Um, but yeah, thanks for the time. Outbrain isn't the only, only channel, but I'm very bullish on it for all the reasons Kyle just said. So appreciate it. And yeah, happy to help any way I can. Yeah, well, th thanks again, Joe. It, it was great talking to you for sure. Um, so yeah, everyone, please reach out to Joe if you're interested. That way, next time we talk to Joe, he could have that VP title and I'll just be <laughs> a prophet and a foreseer, not somebody that just can't remember anything. So, <laughs> um, so again, thanks so much for listening to the Affiliated Podcast. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And if there's places for comments, um, definitely on the YouTube channel as well. Leave those comments, not only of if you like this, if you enjoy it, um, if there's questions, but also other content that you'd like to see. If there's something you feel like it's just a, a question that's itching at your brain, put it out there. Let Thomas and I itch our brain, and then hopefully we'll get the scratch for you. I know there's lots of weird references here, but we'll, we'll <laughs> essentially discuss the topic um, and, and hopefully bring value to you guys. We've really enjoyed hearing um, from lots of listeners about how you know, episodes have been very helpful for them. Interviews have been very helpful for them. Um, and we want to keep being helpful and growing your business. So um, with that, again, Joe, you have a great day. Um, listeners, have a great day as well. And we'll see you next time.